Chris. No, but it was a complete accident, and my fly was down, and then I walked out, and as she opens the door, it's us two walking out of a closed room, and me zipping my fly up, and I'm like, the optics of that probably weren't great. They say home is where the heart is, so I wonder why your motherfucker always feeling heartless. Welcome to episode 28B of Doubly Negative. I'll explain why it's 28B in just a moment, but as always, I'm Chris here with my friend Kyle. Kyle, how are you? Um, sleepy for the nerdiest possible reason. Fill us in. Well, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, the AIM Chess Rapid Tournament is underway. And uh, Oh, how foolish of me for not to know. <laughs> for me not to know that. How foolish. We're, we're into the fourth day, and I was watching uh, Magnus Carlsen play against uh, Levin Aronian uh, four matches last night. And it's it's like three hours I was just watching chess. And believe it or not, it's very exciting uh, at some points. Yeah, you know, I, I totally believe you. Um, it's weird because I usually fill out a bracket for that every year, kind of like the March Madness. But uh, I just missed it this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that happens. Yeah. No, I'm sure it does get intense, though, with like the checkmate bitch, like those moments. It doesn't really happen like that, but uh... I'll pretend. Okay, we'll yeah. pretend. Yeah. So the reason why I called this episode 28B, so we have a very special guest on, Justin, who I'll introduce in just a minute, but uh, we started recording last night, things were flowing, great conversation, and then there was an issue with the recording. I'm not going to say any names. If you want to come forward, feel free, but one of us was not recording. Wasn't me. Wasn't me either, but we're not going to point fingers. <laughs> we don't do that on this podcast. It was not me or Kyle, but I'm not going to say any names. Justin. Um. It was just, it, uh, yeah. It was it was it was one hundred and fifty percent my fault. I do not know how to use technology. It's not the easiest, but we're gonna find out why you don't know how to use technology. Your profession is a little different. Give us a quick introduction. Oh, nice segue. Yeah, oh yeah. I've been working on that. Um, so give us a little introduction. Yeah. So I uh, I run a business and I deal in rare coins and precious metals. So I had no idea really what you did up until well, I kind of knew because I I. Uh, stalk your profile in the past but with you coming on I, I was like all right i gotta do a little bit of a deeper dive um a lot of the stuff you have is super fascinating like you have coins from ancient rome how do you get your hands on these things yeah so i mean a, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff is uh kind of traveling around the world and making connections and, and getting uh getting the pieces coming to me so um you know, there, there's all kinds of different ways, you know, you go, you buy full collections, you travel around the world and, you know, you buy from one place and, and sell to another. Um, but uh, it's it's a really cool, uh, cool way of, of uh, making a living. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. And for those of you listening, Justin started this business by himself. Um, this is his company. This isn't something he applied for, walked into, studied. This is something he started out of a hobby that he had when he was younger. So my main question is how do you initially start getting these connections in other countries when you're first starting? Like that seems kind of crazy. Is it all like local referrals to someone that's worked with these people before? Like how does that work? Well, so so my business is like a really old-fashioned, like old-school type of business where, um, you know, dealing with like personal connections is, is everything. So it's not like how, like, if you sold like vacuum cleaners or, you know, or, or, or tents or something like that, where you could just go to, you know, a wholesale manufacturer and just be like, I want 
a thousand vacuum cleaners or I want a thousand uh, tents or, or whatever, you know, the commodity is, um, you know, this stuff, it's all like unique individual stuff. And, um, you know, you, you have to go and you have to make uh, different connections. So it's, it's very similar to how, uh, you know, certain industries used to be um, and very few are nowadays. Probably the only one that's really similar to it now is like the diamond business um, where, you know, you, you make personal connections with, uh, with people that have been in the business for a long time and, you know, you, you guys make deals. Um, you find somebody in Germany who has, you know, stuff that'll sell much better in America and you fly over to Germany and you, you buy it. And you have a bunch of Canadian material that'll sell better in Canada. So you drive up to Montreal and you sell it up there. And then you come back with stuff that, you know, will do better in, in Amsterdam. And um, so it's kind of, um, you know, the, the, the business principle behind it is basically arbitrage, right? You, you buy things at one price in one market and you sell it for a different price in a different market. But um, it's, it's really old fashioned in the, in the sense that, um, you know, the whole business operates by you making uh, personal connections, right? It's not like how like a lot of things are where you just go on like a Zoom call with somebody and, you know, it's, it's like, oh, we're going to deal with this on like a Zoom call. Like you go and you make eye contact with somebody and you shake their hand and then, you know, you'll, you'll have somebody hand over, you know, tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, on a handshake, um, which is completely different than how most other, other businesses work nowadays. But, uh, you know, it, that's, that's one of the things that I love about it is just how, um, how traditional it is in that, in that way. So here's a question I have off of that. You say it's done the old fashioned way. Have you ever made a deal for some coins and brought the money in a briefcase cash? I need to know. Yes. That's fucking awesome. Okay, I'm so glad you said yes, and I didn't expect a yes. How much? All right. Yeah. What was the What would you have in the, in the briefcase? Um, I mean, I've I've done deals in cash in six figures. Ooh. Um, was your hair slicked back? <laughs> um, actually, you know what? Let, let me tell you a quick little story about uh, something like this, where I didn't even realize the amount of money that was involved in something. Oh, this is exciting. A few years, you know. Um, I, I, I've gone on, you know, lots of uh, international buying trips and, you know, a lot of times I'll go with, with other people who are in the same field as me. You know, most, most of the people who are in the same position that I am are, are a lot older. Um, you know, so it's a lot of guys like between like, you know, their late fifties, early sixties, you know, I mean, I, I do big business with a guy that's, that's 84 years old and, you know, he's, he's still doing, you know, gigantic six figure deals. But, um, so I was in, uh, I was on a buying trip in, uh, in the United Kingdom. Um, I was, I was with another dealer, um, and really, really nice guy, really, really unassuming guy. You would have no idea the amount of business this guy does. He's like a big time, um, you know, international dealer. And so I accompanied him on a buying trip and, you know, we had spent the previous couple of days in London doing a, you know, a bunch of deals in London, a couple of coin shows in London. Um, we went to a whole bunch of shops out there. And then we were going to a show in Birmingham, England, um, which is like by train about an hour or so away. And uh, Birmingham is more similar to, uh, it, it, it's it's not a nice place. It's uh, like more akin to like in the US, like a Chicago or like a Detroit. Okay. So, you know, I, I, we, we, we'd done like a bunch of deals the previous few days and, you know, a lot of them were like several thousand pounds. Um, but then we, uh, you know, we, we took the train over there and, um, you know, he has a, he has a backpack with him. 
Um, and you know, I, I, I had like a couple thousand pounds with me, nothing, nothing crazy. And, um, you know, uh, we, we took one of the, uh, the black taxi cabs they have over there and we, we took it to the shop. Um, that was in like, you, you know, all, all the places in England, they're, they're like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old. It's like England's the one place I've ever been to that was exactly like I expected it to be. It's like literally like how you picture from the movies. It, that's exactly what it's like. Everything is old. It's foggy. It's, you know, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. as you picture it. And um, so we go and um, he introduced me to, to these people in, in Birmingham uh, who had the shop. And, um, you know, it's like in the really, really old building, uh, ground level, um, in, in a very not nice section at all. And, you know, this, this guy's pulling out material all day, this huge pile, huge pile. And I'm doing the math in my head and it's, it's a lot of money. Um, and you know, sometimes when you're doing like bigger deals, you know, you'll set up something where, you know, you'll just wire the person the money and then, you know, figure it out after that. Um, but then the deal is finished after, you know, like seven, eight hours worth of, uh, uh, somebody uh, of, of the guy pulling the stuff out. And then he, he pulls out, you know, the, the cash that he had with him in this, this backpack the whole time, which, um, was, was like 150,000 pounds. Um, which if, you know, with the exchange rate being like, you know, at the time, like, like one and a half times, that was basically like, you know, uh, 225, uh, you know, us dollars just in a backpack that he had with him on this train, you know, walking through, you know, Birmingham after he got dropped off. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um, insane. The balls on that guy. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the, the guy's he like, care. In, uh, no. you know, he's, he's in his mid sixties. You would, you'd never guess like, you know, dresses like a normal guy, like, you know, there's a lot of people that you would just have no idea, um, you know, how much money they have. He's also probably a trained killer. Yeah. What? <laughs> I almost want to become a thief now just because imagine that payday that because he also had the coins on him, too. Right. Or, or did you have the coins? Well, we 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 had the coins on the way back. We had to bring them uh, bring them back to London. Um, so <laughs> I had, you could do a double dip if you were like a really good criminal, like where are you bringing the cash, you know, and then you meet them and it's a whole setup. Well, I mean, uh, Justin's huge though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to bring a friend. There's, there's, okay. there's a lot of precautions that, that people take. Um, so it probably wouldn't be the, uh, the smartest idea. <laughs> Did he have precautions? Um, well, it's, it's, it's a bit different when you're traveling internationally, right? Like, uh, you know, England and he can't give away secrets cause we're just like teaching the criminals how to rob them if, if they see them on the street. So let's not give too information. Yeah. yeah. One, one thing to keep in mind is that, uh, most, uh, most, most coin dealers in, in the U S are, are very heavily armed at, at all times. All right. So Damn. if I was going to rob you, how would I be successful doing so? <laughs> just, 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 I'm just curious. <laughs> Yeah, Don't answer that. I, I, I can't really uh, divulge too much on that. <laughs> Tell me off air. Tell me off air. Okay. Um, one aspect uh, I could jump in here. Yeah, yeah. One aspect that I always, well, we've, we've talked about it before. Just, Justin and I are friends from college. But one aspect of your business I found interesting is like the bankroll aspect uh, in the way that you started out relatively small when you didn't have much money and then you can only buy this level of coins, then you get more money and now you can buy a higher level of coins. So now you're making six figure deals and I don't even know what you're doing now, but I was just wondering what's the high, like what is the most expensive 
coins out there what are they going for are we talking in the millions yes. or even higher um, I mean, do, you, was, do you have your eye on those at some point well, i mean so the, that that's that's a whole different ball game that's that's stuff that i don't i don't mess around with um you know because uh, those are probably the toughest to sell well those it, it's, a, it's a whole different business model right like my business model mm. is is high volume so my, my bread and butter stuff is you know 25 to 500 dollar pieces and you know we'll we'll ship out like like 100 of them on a, you know uh, on like a regular weekday and on the weekend, like 200 packages. So it's just a huge volume that, that we put together of, you know, the, the more, uh, you know, the, the more collector type stuff, but, but there is totally a whole, um, a whole segment of the market. Like recently there was a, uh, um, I'm probably going to get the number wrong off the top of my head, but I believe, uh, one of the pieces sold for close to 25 million. Uh, 25 yeah, million. Um, so, you know, there, there's a whole different segment of the market that, that plays in a whole different, you know, in a whole different sandbox than, than the type of stuff that I'm doing. And stuff like that is through major auction houses. So that, you know, it, the auction houses are making, you know, you know their, their margins on stuff like that. It's, it's a totally, totally different ballgame than, than the type of stuff that I'm doing. Was that the 1933 Double Eagle by any chance? Exactly, yep. Oh yeah, I just yeah, thought about that. Yeah. So can you explain that coin? Because I have no idea what you're saying when you say the double eagle. Yeah. So okay. So um. I just googled it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, really rare American coins, and um, the 1933 double eagle is especially rare um, because in uh, during the Great Depression, um, the U.S. government decided to make private ownership of gold illegal. So if you own gold, it was now illegal to, to hold gold as like an investment and stuff like that. So 1933 was the year that they made that law. And um, so all the ones that had been minted that year, the, the double eagle being a $20 gold piece, which um, is slightly under one ounce of gold, um, which at the time was, was worth about $20. And so uh, they made that illegal and then they recalled all the pieces um, and they have sustained for years that all except for one of those pieces is illegal on private ownership, that all of them belong to the government and they should have never been released. However, there was one piece which the government did allow to be uh, transferred to private ownership, which was transferred to the king of Egypt, uh, King Farouk, who um, was a gigantic coin collector and he also um, was was... Uh, overthrown in, I believe, in the 1940s. And uh, so his coin collection was sold, uh, I believe, in the, like, the late 1940s, early 1950s or something like that. So that 1933 Double Eagle is the only one that's allowed to be owned uh, by private ownership. There's been a couple others that have emerged that the U.S. government has seized saying that they belong to the government. So that's why that one is is so incredibly valuable. That is absolutely insane. So to, to get back into just like the business itself, you not only have to be business savvy, but like you sound like a bit of a history buff as well. Like you have to know these things to know what you're buying. Yeah, and you, I'm sure you pick it up over time. Yeah, you, you, you kind of have to be. So when I was growing up, like, you know how like a lot of people want to, you know, be like doctors or lawyers or professional athletes and everything like that. Um, from when I was really, really little, uh, you know, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Like that was my my dream. Like I love like the whole, you know, the, the ancient history, the you know, the more modern history, like you know, stuff from like ancient Egypt with like the mummies and the pyramids and stuff like that. Like I just found that stuff absolutely fascinating. 
And, um, you know, so, you know, the way things worked out, um, eventually, uh, I I was able to, to, you know, turn that into my profession. And, um, you know, so even though, you know, I'm not like digging stuff up in, uh, you know, in the Middle East or, you know, in, in Greece and stuff like that, in a certain way, I'm traveling around the world and I'm, I'm digging up things from collections, you know, and from, uh, you know, that, that haven't seen the light of day and, you know, so sometimes like collections that have been in families for, you know, 7,500 years, stuff like that. So in a certain way, I'm almost like it, it is, I, I am sort of like, a, you know, in, in a weird way, an archaeologist or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's got to feel so crazy having just a piece of history from so long ago to have that in your possession. Like, that was what was drawing me to your site. Like, I never had any interest in collecting coins until I was reading some of the descriptions. And I was like, I might want to buy one of these. Like, I got to <laughs> like, this is so fucking cool. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the history aspect of it is just really, really cool. If you like the history stuff and if you don't like the history stuff, but you like art, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that, that can appeal to you. Like, I have people that are really into, like, you know, uh, art deco design and stuff like that. And there will be metals and coins and stuff like that, that, that have that design. So there's like a lot of appeal, you know, and I mean, I even have, you know, some, some clients that just really love like, you know, certain animals or certain figures from mythology and stuff like that. And, you know, that's the cool thing about collecting uh, coins in general and, and really collecting anything is that, you know, you can create something that, you know, that, that fulfills whatever passion that you have. That, you know, if, if you're really into something, you can find something that relates to what you're really into. So, yeah, that's 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 really cool. So I have kind of a question about the pricing of these coins. So, like, obviously, the price of gold fluctuates, like even if you look at other collectibles like trading cards, like baseball, football, whatever, um, the pricing of that fluctuates based on the market too. Is it similar with the coin collecting where sometimes it's worth more or is that more stable than, say, the price of gold? Um, well, the, the price of gold is going to be incredibly volatile because it changes with the stock market. It changes like literally by like the second um, on the stock market. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the prices aren't that volatile, <laughs> but, yeah, but, yes, but they, they, they are, they are very volatile. Um, you know, a lot of the foreign stuff, it depends on, um, where, you know, the, the country that, you know, that the coins are most collected in, um, what their economy is doing. So several years back when, um, the Russian ruble was really strong, um, the Russian coin market was, was really strong. And then, um, you know, we, we put sanctions on them and the ruble kind of collapsed in value and uh, the price of Russian coins pretty much collapsed within the span of a couple of weeks. Um, that's so now can you kind of, sorry to cut in, but can you really like predict trends almost or do you try to get ahead of it, like buy it when it's low because there's a chance that it's going to come back up and it's something you stash away? Um, no, um, because... No. My whole thing is if, if I really was that smart and I really understood stuff like that, then I would have made enough money that I would just retire. My whole thing okay. is just grind it out, just make try to make money on, you know, on most of my deals and just do it over and over and over and over again. Um, if you try to speculate, well, you speculate wrong and then then you're buried. You, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, and there's, there's there's certain people that do it and there are certain people that do it successfully. And there are certain people that do it very unsuccessfully. Yeah, it's like an added skill. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not good at it it can hurt you very very much 
Yeah, and I mean, there's certainly things that are outside, even if you uh, have that as a skill or you feel that you have it as a skill, um, you know, I, I, I think it's closer to gambling than it is to, um, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a tough skill to quantify. Uh, yeah. Okay, Kyle, I think you had a question, but I rudely cut you off. Uh, uh, no, but I got something new just about skill. Just uh, if anyone is in the coin business uh, locally uh, in, the, in the Northeast, because your shop's in Connecticut. Yep. Right, Justin. Yeah, we're uh, we're about halfway between uh, Hartford and New Haven, but uh, you know, kind of kind of way off the beaten path. So. Yep. So so we were friends in college, but then I reconnected with Justin because I had some coin business of my own, and um, seeing Justin's skills in identifying and valuing coins like on the spot was amazing. Just just amazing because. Uh, it was me and my sister, and we have like a wide variety of different coins, all, all, all sorts. And he was able to just say, well, this has got this defect. This is from this year. This one is less rare than that one. And he can pretty much identify pretty much everything we had in seconds. And then we would check it online. We would go through auctions and everything. And he was almost always 10% within the price range we found online. It was just really incredible to see. So... It absolutely is a skill, and and that's why you've gotten as far as you have, uh, I, I think. And based off of that description, it sounds like this is a craft that you've mastered and taken really seriously. I would call him a master. Yeah, it um, you know, obviously, you know, especially like a lot of times I'll have like y- younger people that are trying to get into the business that that will ask me this type of stuff, and what I have to explain to them is that, you know, I, I started collecting when I was like four years old. So not only did, did I, you know, I mean, at this point, it's almost like 30 years of, of learning stuff, but, um, but it's also constantly learning too. So, um, you know, uh, there, there's some theory or something like uh, that, that people talk about, like the more that you know about a subject, the less confident you are in talking in absolutes. And so a lot of times you'll see like people who have just started learning about coins or just started learning um, you know, about collecting or stuff like that, that will, you know, say these things in like absolute terms, like, oh, well, this is that, and this is that, you know, and, um, you know, then, then the more they learn, the more they realize, well, there's all kinds of exceptions to every single rule. And there's a lot of nuance. And, um, you know, and, and I think that's something that really translates into just about everything is that there's, there's a lot of nuance in everything and and talking absolutes about stuff is just never, (laughs) never a great idea. I think that's done in Kruger, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, I can pull those out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> speaking to the, the back there, you hate my, yeah, you hate yeah, me right yeah. now, don't you, Chris? I had <laughs> one of those yesterday. Yeah. Go. <laughs> in episode twenty-two A. <laughs> yep. I mean twenty-seven A. Um, fuck. No, twenty-eight A. Fuck. Hey, 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 relax. I'm sorry. Um, there was one story you told me, Justin, maybe you could tell it on here about um, about typically the skill and how fast you have to be. Do you remember the story you told me where I think it was you and two other coin buyers were bidding on a collection and uh, two of you guys like got the same number and then one guy got a little bit higher of a number? Yeah. So so this is, um, uh, yeah, I was telling you the story this winter. Um, so I generally am not outbid on things, um, you know, because I have really good retail customers. So, um, you know, if I, if I get to the, the right number, my, my bids are usually going to be a little bit stronger than other people. Cause I, I do have a good, uh, retail presence. Um, so 
I got contacted at like the very beginning of COVID um, about this this huge horde, um, and it was actually a, a family in Rhode Island. And um, the way they were they were doing it was really really weird. Um, you know, they they were inviting three dealers to make sealed bids on it, um, and instead of like having as much time as we needed or whatever, um, we were each given five hours um, to come up with a valuation on on this collection. Um, which five, five hours, hours to value. Like how many coins? Like thousands? Or? Uh, many thousands of coins. Um, it was uh, something that if somebody brought it into my shop, I would probably try to tell them it would be like a two or three day thing. Um, if they needed to get it done in a day, I would have to tell them that I'm going to have to cut a lot of corners to be able to come up with the number. But but anyway, so, um, you know, so I, I, this would have taken multiple days typically and these people gave you five hours, five hours. Um, because they wanted three separate people to evaluate it and come up with a sealed bid. Um, and, you know, I, I came in with an offer of 104 on it, um, which which I thought was was the right offer. Um, you know, I would obviously... 1.04 million? No, <laughs> 104,000 on that. Okay, and, I wasn't sure, like, how big we were going here, <laughs> so I just had to make sure, because you said 104, and I was like, yeah, so, so, uh, does he mean 1.04? This is, is, is going to be a little sight, but this is a weird habit that you have. You know, when when you're you're in business and stuff like like this when you're dealing with like a lot of high numbers and stuff like that um sometimes you just forget like you don't think of the money as money it's just like it's like a number it's it's almost like it almost becomes like 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 a game type type thing like you know yeah uh, it's it's an insane amount of money to, to be spending on anything but when you know you're using it almost as like a tool um and you know the you know, you, you know that you know what the market is, you know where it's coming back, you know what the margins are and stuff like that. You almost just think of it as just just like numbers, which is why, you know, when, when you hear like a, a couple of dealers and stuff talking about it, it will, you know, all oh, 104, it'll be 32, like stuff like that, you know, which like any other sane person in, you know, in, in other industries would be like, are you talking about like $32,000? Like you're talking about $32? Um, but it's just like, you know, everything gets skewed with uh, with just like the the amount of, of money that's that's in some of these industries. Yeah, but it makes sense. You're willing to throw that amount of money at those coins because you getting those those coins doesn't mean you don't have that money anymore. You might potentially have more money depending on how these flip. Well, you you have to be getting more money. You yeah. have to build in margins. So so yeah, in this, so this particular example, um, you know, I, I came in with an offer of 104, and um, the, the other offer I found out later, the second offer was 1025. Um, so so my offer was was right where it was supposed, and the, the other auction was was from a really big buyer. I mean, the the other offer was from a really big buyer, and um, I was absolutely shocked that it sold to somebody else for 120, which is a really significant difference. And uh, so the way that I looked at it, and what I was telling Kyle is either, you know, in that five hours. Both, you know, the, the two underbidders, we both missed something gigantic in there, which is pretty unlikely. Or what, what's more likely is that the other person in a span of five hours trying to get a valuation just completely screwed it up and they're going to be buried in it, would, would be my guess. Because on something like that, the 120 number is closer to what you're going to net out after you do all the work of breaking everything down. So, yep. You know, which which it sounds like that's a huge number. You know that that's like a profit of sixteen thousand dollars. But then you think about the amount of work that goes into it, right? You're breaking everything down. You know, you have your staff 
uh, listing the lower value stuff. You have the better stuff that gets sent out to auction. You might not get paid for several months on stuff like that. You have to send the best stuff out to get authenticated. So, um, but uh, yeah, so, so certain stuff like that can be really, really crazy. But also, you know, coming up with a number like that off the top of your head in the span of five hours is, is pretty challenging. <laughs> yeah, that sounds insane. Kyle, do you want to jump in? You have questions or do you want to move to our topic? Uh, no, I, I love that story. Uh, I'm satisfied now. We can move on. <laughs> Kyle is satisfied. We can move on. So this kind of ties into your business a lot. Um, the topic we wanted to talk about was making friends when you're older. Because that's something everyone can relate to. It gets weird and different. Um, you need to form these relationships in the business sense. And it seems like you've been pretty successful with that. But as far as just making close personal friends not related to business, it's a little weird when you're older. Am I right? Yeah, it's it's to, to me, it's, it's really hard. So I'm not like one of those people that has like a ton of like close personal friends. Like I've got some friends that I'm really, really super close with that are more like like family than friends. But I don't have like a wide friend group. Like I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, you know, I'm going to have like, you know, 20 of my friends over or something like that. Like I've, I've got a handful of really close friends. Yeah. So and I've realized like as an adult, it's really, really weird just trying to, you know, trying to find things in common with people. And, you know, people have their own lives and families and stuff like that. And, you know, as you get older, it's definitely really, really hard to make friends. Yeah. And I feel like there are so many occasions where like I'll meet someone, whether it's through work or, you know, just a mutual friend. I'm like, this person ticks all the boxes. I really think we could be good friends, but for some reason you just can't, it's not one of those things. You like all the same stuff. You talk about the same stuff, but there's just not something there. Dare I say spark. <laughs> yeah. There? I mean, that, that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, like, like for, for an example, like I, I think one of the few friends that I've really like made as an adult would, you know, Kyle would actually be like a great example because, you know, like we, we knew each other in college and stuff like that, but I don't think we were ever like particularly close. Like, I don't think, ever once in college that we we hung out like one-on-one -on -one, right yeah i don't think so no yeah but i mean like when I'm glad i answered that for kyle like i knew <laughs> yeah I was, trying to be, I was trying to be reassuring but uh you know like like when um when, when you know when kyle and i reconnected this this past time when he was here it was just like oh wow yeah kyle's an awesome guy like you know we we have so much in common and like i genuinely really like kyle and i had a great time hanging out with him but i mean like i can think of like maybe two times as an adult that that's really happened. Yeah. And it, it's funny that you say that because honestly, Kyle and I were never like the closest. We like always hung out, not like we didn't really hang out one-on-one -on -one before we started doing this. Did we Kyle? No, not one-on-one. -on -one. No, it was just like, Oh, we'll play soccer. Kyle's in town. We'll get some food or some drinks or something. But I mean, ever since this last time, it's just been, you know, fireworks. The chemistry between us <laughs> is just undeniable. And yeah, just it's, pulls it's really me something. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I know his sleeping schedule and everything now. Yeah, you do. You, you know pretty much everything, including everything about my dick. Yeah, no, well, yeah. Like, I, a lot of people know a lot of stuff about yeah, your dick. Yeah, I was about to say podcast. that. Everybody knows that now. <laughs> I don't feel that special. But I was, uh, while you were talking about um, meeting someone these days uh, and, and they tick all the boxes, but there's no spark or whatever, I think a big part of it is now that we're older, we don't have as much um desire or initiative to make new friends so like maybe you do when you meet the other person or maybe they do when they meet you but sometimes it just doesn't match up and even though you have a good conversation or whatever 
you're just busier than you were in high school or when you were younger and it just doesn't work and that's kind of a shame that's happened to me a few times i met this guy i'm like he's really cool i'd like to see him again and then it just doesn't happen it's happened a few times you know what's my favorite though when you're both on the same page but all like both don't want to hang out ever like you can have yeah. those conversations at work or something but it's understood that you guys are never hanging out and no one's ever gonna ask like that's the fucking best that's true. I met I met this one old dude at the bar last year and we had a really good conversation, but we never even asked each other's names. And then when he was about to leave, he's like, it was a pleasure talking to you. And it was just so clear that neither of us, we both knew that we were never going to see each other again. That it's fully cool. understood. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's just one of the best feelings. <laughs> oh, God. Too funny. Um, So where was I going to go with this? We talked about like uh work relationships for example i'm trying to think back on what we talked about last night actually you know this is probably a good time to check in uh are we all recording boys not going to say who wasn't recording last night wasn't me or <laughs> so Kyle. so according to my uh my audacity thing on my computer this time not on my phone it says that i've been recording for 33 minutes and 36 seconds and that I have, we are on the money. I have uh, 136 hours and 38 minutes of disk space remaining for recording, so it's not going to oh, wow. overwrite this time, or whatever. All right, it did. so so we're doing well. There's there's all kinds of like blue squiggly lines which make it seem like uh, it's it's actually working. So yeah, it's picking something up. And Kyle, I'm glad you understood that you didn't need to answer. It was just for the person. <laughs> Who didn't? <laughs> I don't want to wow, say. You're laying it on thick now. <laughs> he told us to. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> no, I I completely deserve it. It's so so. It's it's actually kind of funny how bad I am with technology, considering how much uh, you know presence my business has online. Like I pretty much stopped learning new technology in like probably like 2012. It seems like so it's like been a while. I just like I don't know I like. I don't particularly love technology. Like I don't love being on my phone. I don't love being on my computer. Like I'd much rather not be doing any of that. So I just like had no real interest in, in learning that stuff. So, yeah. And that's probably for the better. Cause honestly, it's, it's such a great tool being like technology, like technologically savvy, but at the same time, it's easy to get pulled in by the other stuff. Like, oh, there's social media. Like, you can use your phone as a tool, like your calendar, you know, your to-do list. But it's it's just so easy to be brought in by the other stuff that's not productive. So by not overusing it, you can still get those things that you would get out of a phone or technology in other ways. So I think it's it, it, it's kind of a good thing to not be uh, sucked in by it all. So here's one weird question that kind of correlates with all that stuff. Are you guys like big like text guys or phone guys? I, I don't call me. Never call me. I, I am 100% the complete opposite. Like yeah. literally I will like unless it's like like a one or two word type thing where somebody has to like, you know, let me know about something specific like, hey, I'm going to be late or something like that. I hate texting. I like if I would much rather be on the phone talking to somebody than texting. I hate texting. So I got to ask, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 33. Really? Yep. Okay. So if, if someone were to not hear how old you were and just hear that answer, they'd say 45 to 50. Yeah. If they just heard the answer where they're like, oh, I want a phone call. Yeah, but, but I, mean, I think that that fits your personality though. Cause your business is like that too. Making those like personal relationships. 
So it's something you're good at having those conversations. I'm so used to just texting or typing. Like I don't, I don't want to have a phone. But call. but I mean that's that's the thing. If you, if you're just communicating via text, right? Most people outside of Kyle are horrible writers, and stuff can just get completely lost hey. in, in nuance. And you know, so you can be trying to say something that makes perfect sense to you, and then somebody else can like read like undertones in it and like, oh man, Kyle's like mad at me or something like that. And yeah, you're not, you're not getting across what you actually. You know, it's totally different. If you're having a conversation with somebody, like if you're angry at somebody, you know, and you're sending them like a passive aggressive text, they might not get that, that you're, you're angry at them. But if you're on the phone yeah. with somebody and you're angry at them, then it's pretty clear that you're angry at them. Yeah. And I think I, everyone in the world can relate to this. You send a text to your significant other and it gets taken the wrong way, not in a way that you wanted it to be taken or amend it to be taken, and it just causes an argument. And you're like, no, that's not what I meant. This is what I was trying to say. I was not angry or giving you attitude. You just read it that way. Right. Well, I mean, so so Kyle, as a writer, are you better at sending texts and stuff than other people? And displaying, like, the tone of the text. Uh, absolutely. In my experience, I would say yes. Yeah, I'm better at most things than most people. <laughs> um, no, 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 that's, that happens to me for sure. Because... Part of texting is low effort, so everybody can write better than they text, but you just choose not to sometimes. Yeah, it's but, pure um, laziness. I feel like you have another obstacle too because you're living somewhere where English isn't the native language. That's a good point. Yeah, there have been a few times on my end too where I'll interpret things and be like, what the fuck did she just say? But it'll yeah, just because- be like... <laughs> I, I think that that's a, a whole, language thing. I, I think that's a whole thing. Anytime you're dealing with different cultures, like stuff, yeah. stuff gets completely lost. Like things that we would find be incredibly rude. Like other people, that's just like completely normal. Um, so I'm sure that you must run into stuff like that all the time. Um, I'm sure you must run into stuff like that all the time because oh yeah. you deal with a lot of different cultures. Com- so completely. Have, like, do you have any like awkward? Um, moments so, that you've had with someone from another con- so like I, culture? I do a lot of business with Germans, and yep. they are very, very, very direct people. Um, I, I, I love doing so business with, with Germans because there's no negotiation. Something is what it is, or it's not. It's, you know, there's no, there's, there's a lot of other cultures where negotiations are expected, encouraged, um, like demanded, whether, you know, even if you guys both know where you're going to end up with the price, you still have to do like all charade, certain cultures, uh, especially Middle Eastern, uh, certain Asian cultures. Um, but, um, but Germans are generally incredibly direct. Something's a certain price, but they're also really, really blunt. So like, if you see somebody, um, that, you know, you haven't seen in a couple of years and they feel like you've gotten fatter, um, they will directly say to you, wow, you've gotten fat. (laughs) And that's completely normal. Yeah, and it's, that's not like like meaning to be insulting or something. It's them just giving a statement of fact, which is something that is literally word for word happened to me. <laughs> that, that did it really? How did you feel when they said that? Because I would have curled up in a ball and cried and said, "I'm not doing business with you, asshole." I, I, no, I mean, I, I definitely <laughs> had been uh, in a little bit better shape the last time that I saw them. So, I mean, they were technically correct. It wasn't like. Uh, you know, it wasn't a great uh, ego boost, but it, I mean, they were technically correct. So, I mean, how could I be did upset? It put you on the right, <laughs> did it put you on the right path? Did you start like working out when you got home? I mean, my, my weight fluctuates so much. Like I, I literally can like gain 20 pounds or lose 20 pounds in a month. No problem. So yeah, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. Cause we, we've talked about that before 
um, on one of the way earlier podcasts, just someone being like brutally honest with you and how it's like beneficial, but um, it has to come from the right person. So I'm sure in that instance, when it comes from not a, a complete stranger, but not someone you're overly familiar with, that's got to be something else. Well, I mean, I mean that, that's one of the reasons that I, I, I love you guys' podcast too, because you're like huge on, you know, just, just complete honesty. And I feel like that's something that, you know, that I personally strive towards because like, you know, just, just being honest with people, like, yeah, there's certain things that, you know, you can't, you know, you can't be like Larry David and just be like, like obnoxious and like, you know, obtuse about stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I think that, you know, if you're generally straightforward and you're, you're honest with people about things, then, then your word actually means something too. You know, if, if you're and the you're- type of person that just goes and, and gives empty compliments and people can see right through them, well, then your compliments aren't going to mean anything anymore. Yeah, and I'm, we were talking totally about this agree. last night a little bit. Your reputation means a lot in your business. It means so much. I mean, my reputation means more than anything. Like my, you know, my my entire career basically depends on my reputation. Um, I, I I know people who, you know, did things that were dishonest or are, are not straightforward or tried to rip people off or stuff like that, and. You know, their their name means nothing anymore. Whereas like right now in, in my business, you know, like literally, you know, you, you might have somebody just just send you like a huge package, you know, worth tens of thousands of dollars. And they've never even met you. And so so your name and your reputation just just means everything, which, you know, you know, there's not a lot of things right now where, um, you know, not a lot of professions where, you know, that that type of stuff is, is still that important, you know, because people get used to. You know, like, oh, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't like my waitress at this restaurant. I'm going to go and, and leave like a bad Yelp review. And that just like kind of, you know, somebody being, you know, petty about things and everything, you know, it dumbs down the whole system. Whereas when you have a system that, um, you know, everybody treats the system as being, um, you know, uh, you know, you, you don't, you know, if somebody like slightly annoys you or something, you don't, you know, you don't blacklist somebody. But you know, um, if everybody treats the whole system as something that that is worth being upheld, you know, then then you have a system that polices itself. Yeah, and that's what I think is really cool about the whole uh, business, just having that reputation. And when you first start, like, did you have to cut some favors, you know, like go the extra mile to build this reputation and get it up there quicker so you could make these types of deals? No, I mean, there's, there's, there's no replacement of time. Um, you know, you just... You just have to chip away at things like, you know, the, you know, the connections that I have now are entirely different than they were, you know, I went in this full time in 2014 and, you know, it's just, it's doing the right thing every single day. And when, when you don't think things are important, you know, treating every single thing like, you know, it is important and not cutting corners and, you know, it's, it's just grinding things out. It's just grinding and grinding and grinding. And, you know, if, if you, you do the right things all the time. You don't really have to think about it, right? Like, you know, yeah. um, people, people that are, that are sneaky and, and cut corners and stuff like that, you know, they, they have to do like a lot of thinking and, and keeping a good memory and stuff like that. And they can't just focus on, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over again. So, um, you know, but I think that that doesn't just, you know, focus on, you know, on my particular business stuff like that. I think that's a, you know, a, a great way of just living your life. Like if you treat people fairly, you treat people honestly, um, you just do the right thing. Like you don't have to worry about a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff you won't be able to control and, you know, bad stuff is going to happen no matter what. And, but if, if you're not having to put forth a lot of effort on, 
you know, trying to trying to cover up things, trying to, you know, trying to keep lies straight and stuff like that, you know, then then your your life's a heck of a lot easier. That's a good point. Yeah, you can relate that. I was gonna say, I never really thought about it in that way. I think I heard I heard some quote from somewhere about how when you make one lie, it, it usually means you're going to make several lies. And then what you're saying right now about the effort needed to put all uh keep all of that up. It, it's really interesting. I never really thought about it like that. And I'm just thinking about the type of fake people. I'm sure everybody knows fake people in their own lives, but they always seem kind of oh. frazzled and kind of confused and scared all the time. That must just be because they're having to put so much work into kind of propping up their facade and keeping those lies in order. That's got to be really exhausting. Yeah, especially because lies tend to snowball. Exactly, yeah. It starts somewhere and it just gets bigger and then something else pops up and you have to chain another lie to that lie. And then the chain just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it never has yep. a good end. So um, 45 minutes in, I think it might be time to ask you, Justin. Dick check-in? Don't get ahead of me. How's your dick? Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> you wasted the good surprise on you. Keeping on the whole theme of, uh, of honesty, this is my least favorite segment of your show. Really? Oh. No, this is good. We need this kind of feedback. I'm sure it does come off as a little immature. Well, no. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to take my no, headset no, no, out now. No, 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 no. So, so <laughs> let, 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 me, let me elaborate a little bit. So I Please. think a lot of the things that, that Kyle ends up talking about, even the stuff that, you know, it gives me half a nightmare, like your description of a certain procedure that you had to have a couple weeks ago or whatever. Um, yep, yep. But, uh, you know, I, I think like a lot of the stuff that comes out is really good, um, but I don't think you need a segment for it. Hmm. I mean, we did lose the segment for a while and then, you know. We had one dick check-in. We got a good pop, and we were like, let's ride this into the fucking sun. Let's ride the ship right into the rocks. <laughs> Why wouldn't we have the segment for it, though? So here's the thing. Let me just let me just intervene here. So we kind of relate the dick check-ins to, like, our mental health because we think those go hand-in-hand. Hand. So well, it and, should and, be metaphorically speaking, but it never really is because it gets pretty graphic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it starts uh, about mental health and then it's like oh shit okay this yeah. is this is actually about your dick now yeah i, I think for <laughs> kyle it's it's very 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 literal and, and i think uh <laughs> 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 very literal. yeah it can be yeah, so i was at so my you, fantasy so you're sick of hearing about my dick basically yeah <laughs> I, i've, def I've definitely right. heard enough for uh for for one lifetime and i right, think just... you've been loyal enough we can <laughs> Take this request and cut down on the dick check-ins. We did have a 20-minute long one, one episode. Well, I had a lot of details from this week that I was waiting to share. I wrote them all down. It's, it's a few pages in a notebook. One more? No, I'm just kidding. It's like one more song. One more song. We want the encore, Kyle. Gets... One more dick check-in. Yeah. For the road? Okay, well, maybe, so maybe no when Justin's not here. So maybe we'll just maybe we will stop speaking about dick check-in. We'll we'll take ourselves a little more seriously now. No, no, no. How's your, how your mental health? No, 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 no. This is a very good point because I've had the same thoughts. How how is are you mentally? I, I'm doing pretty good this week. Uh, you know, like well, one one of the reasons your dick's that... working fine. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 nice. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, that, that's one of the things that, that I, I, I love about your guys' show so much is, is that, you know, I, I think that um, there's, there's very few people that, that really like, you know, that, that are like willing to talk about like a lot of the stuff that, that you guys do. 
Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that Kyle talks about, like, like the moods being up and down and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I think that pretty much everybody struggles with, with different kinds of things. And, um, you know, a, a lot of people are just like, like afraid to talk about it. And I think like every, every single person has some of these things to, to a different extent or not. And some people handle it a lot better than others. Some people have it like a lot more difficult than others. Um, but I think the, the fact that you guys just, just really talk about it and really go like in depth and, and the fact that, you know, this stuff is like so nebulous that it is changing all the time. Like, you know, you guys can be having like a fantastic week one week and like, you know, like everything's the top of the world. And then, you know, the next week might be a lot tougher and you guys are open about it. And, you know, I think that, that that's awesome. Um, and I think that that really, you know, people can really relate to that type of stuff. Well, thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Definitely really, really appreciate that. And all the feedback you give us. I mean, you get the extra stuff too with the singly negatives that Kyle and I do. And we get uh, way darker on there. So you, you see the, <laughs> the bad parts. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I would say to anybody listening that it's it's like the best five bucks that you can spend on something. It's it's really, oh, really good. Oh, get no, out of no, here. No, no, no. Seriously. So Kyle, is, Kyle is a very talented writer. And I've never even met Chris in person. But, you know, the stuff he talks about, the way he goes in depth. You know, it, you guys do a fantastic job. So, you know, if, if you're if you're like on the fence about it, just just do it. You know, pay it for five, you know, five bucks for, for a month. And, you know, even if you want to just do it for one month, just listen to all the stuff they have. I mean, that would probably be the best value you could get out of it. Just do it for one month. What an endorsement. But I also I also want to point out, we did not tell him to say that, you know, <laughs> Scout Scout's Honor. That's not this isn't a paid promotion. It's not. No. So, yeah. Thank you very much for the feedback and, you know, being open and honest about your mental health currently. So let's, uh, we'll shift to Kyle. Kyle, how, how, how is your mental health currently? Uh, I'm pretty peaceful. Um, in the, the forest now, we, we, we took a trip up north and, uh, in the north there's this monkeys around and stuff. It's, oh, so, sorry, I'm boring myself. It's just not interesting. I know, listening to you talk about Bali. It, it's just so uninteresting but um but yeah i'm I'm feeling all right yeah um i still haven't drank because me and you agreed that we wouldn't and uh i I kept up my end of the deal i I don't know i just i i've been doing okay someone else hasn't been i think there was two of us doing it and i've been doing it but someone else hasn't um justin's drunk right now (laughs) (laughs) i just try to shift the blame and just take all accountability from myself no no yeah i'm doing all right how are you doing chris I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, I think maybe the meditation might have something to do with my good mood and maybe your peaceful mood that you're currently in, would you say? Could be. Yeah. 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 So I definitely, um, I'm just very, um, I've been calm lately and, uh, you know, talking with my therapist about the anxiety and stuff and, you know, breaking things down the way she says I should. I think it's really, really helping me. And I find myself, um, having way less anxiety in situations where typically I would have a lot more and, and kind of just controlling or worrying about what I can control and not letting the outside stuff weigh me down. So I think I've been doing a fantastic job of that myself, not to pat myself on the back, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, been good. Chris, what do you think's been more helpful, the therapy or the meditation? Um, Probably the therapy, and I'm going to say that because I... Um, I'm not that great at meditating yet. It, that's a, another skill where you, you know, you get better at it over time and eventually you can really block things out and focus. 
I'm not at that level yet. I um I'm getting there, I think. But having someone that I can really open up and talk, you know, about all of my bullshit with, um, and not have any judgment. Not saying I don't have that with friends and family, but just someone that's not directly tied to the situation. It's nice to be able to talk through the stuff. Hmm. Do you hold anything back in therapy? I was wondering all, that today. It all de- it all depends on like my moods. So the first couple um sessions I I was definitely held back a little bit, but that was more of a feeling out period for myself. Um cuz I just because your title says therapist, it doesn't mean I'm automatically going to be comfortable downloading everything about me personally to your brain. So really Absolutely. getting that yeah, like feeling it out and you know getting that sense of comfort like I'm with someone who cares and wants to help. Uh I got that and I and I've started to open up way more in therapy recently in the last Have couple. Have you told her about your dick? No, but here's a funny story. So, I went through my whole therapy session and we're getting up, walking out. She opens the closed door and as she's opening the closed door, I realize my fly is down. So I went, oh, I gotta zip that up. So I zipped it you up. You really opened up in that session, didn't you, Chris? <laughs> no, but it was a complete accident. And my fly was down. And then I walked out. And as she opens the door, it's us two walking out of a closed room and me zipping my fly up. I went, the optics of that probably weren't great. Probably That's awesome. the best. I forgot to tell that story. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. So no, no, I have not told her about my dick. But she's, she's aware. <laughs> she's not aware. Oh, God. That is too funny. Um... So guys, where do we go from here? You wanna you wanna plug your stuff, Justin? Tell us where we can find uh, your coin collection. And even if it's not something you're interested in, people listening, go look at the stuff he has on this website because it really is fascinating. I've been browsing it for days. Like I'm bringing my uh, my wife over. I'm like, hey, look at this coin. Isn't that crazy? Look at look what it's from. <laughs> like, and I I have no I've never had an interest in this before. Yeah, well, so, seriously, can, Chris, tell us where we can find. Uh, yeah, you. um, but before before I go, seriously, sometime if you want to come out to Connecticut, I will show you some really really cool stuff. You know, we'll grab yeah, a beer I was gonna suggest or... that I come to your shop. We go get a drink because I've I've had a great time talking to you. Yeah. last night and tonight. So I'm almost. Happy that the recording got a fucked up last night. Yeah, so yeah. So, so maybe, maybe this, this could talk. be like a real life experiment in uh, in making friends as an adult. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm totally down with that because this has been awesome. Yeah, se- seriously, we'll, we'll definitely make it happen. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, if you want to check out my stuff, um, even though I hate social media, our Instagram thing is boardwalk underscore numismatics. Um, and you might have to spell that one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you were already ahead of me. Sorry. N u m i s M-A-T-I-C-S. Um, our website is boardwalknumismatics.com. Um, we, we have a shop in Connecticut. Um, but please, if you're going to stop in, give us a phone call first because I'm on the road a lot. And um, my staff will not be able to show you as much cool stuff as I'll be able to. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And you can find the link to that website right from the Instagram. So go to the Instagram, give it a follow because they post a lot of cool stuff. And then you can go to the site right from the Instagram. Yeah. Well, th- thanks. Thanks a ton for the plug. I, I seriously wasn't even trying to like use this as like promotion or something like that. Like I, I seriously, oh, no, of I, I, I absolutely love you guys show, you know, if there's anything that I can do to, uh, you know, I, I was, I was telling you guys last night, like I've, I've had like several people that tried to get me to go on podcasts and everything. This is the first time I've ever gone on one. I've had a blast chatting with you guys and seriously, like, like your, your show is awesome. 
So um, keep keep up what you're doing, and if there's ever anything that I can do to help out, um, you know, I, I would love to. So thanks. We really thanks, man. Thanks it. for joining too. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously this isn't going to be the last time. Uh, you, I, d- I definitely want to have you on again because there's so much more we can talk about. We've been going for an hour. I feel like we could go for like multiple. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, anytime, anytime you guys need, uh, you know, a pinch hitter or something like that, I'd, I'd be happy to jump in. Cool. Awesome. All right. So I guess we can wrap it up here. Kyle, do you have any closing words? Nope. Cool. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Go check out all of those cool ass coins and check out our Patreon. Also a good investment. Mm. Not only are the coins a good investment, but the Patreon's a good investment. (laughs) You're getting good at these, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. All right. So thank you everyone. Bye. This is life being bound to love.